really good to just uh, have a little time this morning to be able to just sit under the Word of God. And uh, we believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So this morning, just have your hearts open again to realize that God can just ignite something in your heart that sets you up for the coming week and causes you to be more than a conqueror in Him. Our uh, series is uh, week four, and we've just got one more week after this, which will be next Sunday, of course. And the title of the message is City on a Hill. And let me just read again Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 to set the context of this little series. Jesus is speaking in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, People had been expecting someone that would bring political upheaval. Uh, But Jesus says, I'm coming to do something completely opposite to that. I'm going to bring the principles of my rule, of my kingdom. And this is how you ought to live. And he begins to roll out principles that were completely new and fresh and worked against the burden and the oppression of the law that had laid down on the people. This was to liberate people into a completely different lifestyle that reflected God and his glory. And so in verse 13 he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? Verse 14, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden or cannot be hid. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The church, friends, is meant to be seen. We understand that there are some specific contexts in the world where persecution is so acute that people would operate in the secret church, the underground church. But generally speaking, the church is meant to be seen. It's meant to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. And just before I come to the ministry this morning, I think it'd be good for me just to pray for Christian because Christian this morning is across in the United States. He's in Springfield, Missouri, which is the headquarters of Assemblies of God USA. And he's speaking today and then tomorrow to chapel service where Uh, Pastor George Wood, who's the general superintendent of AGUSA, is in attendance. So you can imagine Christian is pretty pumped. Uh, But let's just pray for him that God will just bless him uh, as he uh, engages in ministry this weekend. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for Christian. We thank you for all that he brings. Thank you for his passion for you and his kingdom. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd bless him amazingly over this weekend in Jesus' name. And that many lives will be touched for your glory. Amen. The city on a hill. In week one, we talked about the city core. We reminded ourselves, although Arena sits at the moment in Ilkeston and Mansfield, two ancient market towns with great tradition, the prophetic call over the church is that whatever its geographical context, a housing estate, a village, a hamlet, a town, or a city, the prophetic call is that every community of believers would operate with city principles and city values. And, uh, and uh, in week two, Christian had the plans up as we thought about city planning because it sets us up for progress. And then last week, city services, the A to Z, drawing lessons from Nehemiah about every one of us being involved in serving God, but also in serving each other. That's the great truth of the New Testament. And Julian, the notices has reminded us again this morning of the potential and the power of doing just that. 
Just this week, and I'll refer to it in a moment, we had a summit meeting of the national leadership team. The nice thing was that it was in Berlin, in Germany. And uh, John Partington did a devotional one night. Guess what he spoke on? Serve one. I thought, you've been listening to something in our church. Honestly, I kid you not, Sharon was there. He said, it's all about the one, serving the one. It was incredible. If ever we needed a confirmation of a great title. And so... <clears throat> As I've just mentioned, coincidentally, within this series, uh, for two and a half days this week, I was just in one of the great capital cities of Europe, Berlin. I'll come back to that later. Suffice to say, there was a visibility to this city and a viability. And also, I noticed that there was city planning, because the city hadn't just happened, and new buildings were going up. And no doubt the planning department of Berlin Metropolitan Council have been busy saying what could be built and what couldn't. It's brought progress. And then there were city services. I saw people cutting the grass. I saw a gang of guys with those great big knee pads on relaying slabs on the pavement, reminded of it, as you remember. You know, there was all sorts of people, some very noticeable, some very hidden, bringing services to the city that made it work. As in the natural, so in the spiritual this is what God is speaking about and this morning uh, I want to just talk for a few moments about city authorities city authorities across our nation in various expressions of local government be that cities districts boroughs or councils there are 353 principal authorities in England that's how they describe local authorities and the reality is that you may live in Eriwash, you may live in Broxley, you may live in Nottingham City, you may live in Derby, you may live in, in Ashfield, you may live in Amber Valley, whatever, the spread of the church. But the reality is that you come under an authority. And the truth is that as you come under an authority, you cannot live as you like. Otherwise, there will be consequences to it. You cannot drive on the opposite side of the road. Even though you've been in another place for two and a half days where they were. But it worked for them because it came under the authority of that place. You cannot just do what you want. You cannot live in your house just how you please. There is an authority that sits over us that makes the community, the city, work. To do otherwise would be lawless. And in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 in the New Testament, sin is defined simply as this lawlessness sin is lawlessness we were reminded in one of the songs that we worship God with this morning that though our sins were as scarlet they have been made as white as snow here's the good news of why we're here this morning as arena church because we've all sinned we've all missed the mark we've all failed a holy God but we've been forgiven or we can be forgiven and if you've never become a believer and known that everything that you've done that's failed him has been forgiven and you've got a brand new start, at the end of the meeting, we'll give you an opportunity to respond and begin this journey of following Jesus and knowing that though your sins were like scarlet, they can be white as snow. That's good news. Whatever we've done, whatever's happened, whatever our failure, it can all be cleansed and washed away. So we can't operate in a context of a community lawlessly and expect to be blessed we'll come back to that in a moment as well and you know when we're often looking at a situation or maybe we're thinking about making a decision 
Or maybe there's a new direction in our lives. Sometimes you'll get people saying, well, look at the fours and against. Look at the fours and against. Well, this morning we're going to look at the against and the fours. And so firstly, in the sense of city authorities, sit authorities against. You see, there are, there are authorities that seek to rail against the city. And in the Bible, we find that the enemy is described in a number of ways. He's described as the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebul, and so on. And the Bible just gives little insights into a heavenly rebellion that took place in the eons of time. When Lucifer, the chief worshipping angel, said to God, God, I want to be like you. I want your glory. And the result was... Because God will not share his glory with anyone or any being. A great fall from heaven. And the kingdom of darkness was established on rebellion. We shouldn't be surprised, friends, when we see rebellion in the earth. It's an expression of the opposing authority. And I want to read a verse or two from Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. And if you've got a Bible, turn to it. If not, just listen carefully because it says these words. Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the heart, the, the old armor of God. The belt of truth around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness. Feet fitted with readiness that comes from taking the gospel of peace. The shield of faith extinguishing all the fiery arrows of the evil one. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Did you get it? There's a spiritual authority that seeks to work against the city of God. Now, you'll know that in Arena Church, we're not obsessed with the enemy. I remember some years ago that a friend of mine says that uh, people in his church were depressed. I said, why is that? He says, the pastor's just done 24 weeks on the works of Satan. I kid you not. No wonder that we're depressed. So you don't find Arena Church making sensational comments, hamping up these things, looking for things that aren't there. But also you need to recognize that in Arena Church we believe in a real spiritual enemy. Let me quote C.S. Lewis, the great writer of literature, who seems to capture the balance of what I'm trying to say. He said these words, There are two equal and opposite errors that man falls into regarding the devil. One is to disbelieve his existence. You don't believe in all that rubbish, do you? You think he's going to come through the door now with a, you know, a fork in his hand and a tail. Disbelieve his existence. The other is to feel and believe with an, an excessive and unhealthy interest. The enemy is equally pleased with both errors and helps the materialist and the magician with equal delight. There's a balance. There's a balance. There's a balance. And you, the reality is, friends, that in, 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 the, in the world of war, 
to be successful, the army would need to be aware of its enemy. And when the fall of man came into the earth, one of the things that was expressed in that fall is that man went against God's authority. God said, you blessed. In fact, they were so blessed, they were so innocent, they were so pure, they didn't even need clothes. God says, just don't take of the tree. And they did. They doubted the word of God and ended up disbelieving. They went against the authority of God. And the results were catastrophic and still work out in the earth today. So as Christians, we believe in the reality of an enemy. We don't want to get spooked. We don't want to pump it up beyond what it is, but we don't want to deny it. We understand at times that believers in arena church have to go through things, and sometimes there seems to be a specific element of opposition. And we need to be aware of that and pray. Let me just give you a few more things on this before we move on, because as I look at the enemy at work, I, I see five or six things. I see that he's a tempter. I see that he's an accuser, an accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12, 10. Often he'll use the words of other people to accuse. I see that he's a, ex, a, a deceiver. He masquerades as an angel of light at times. I see that he's an exploiter. The figures regarding... Slavery in the earth today, friends, are devastating. Human trafficking, trafficking that crisscrosses the continent of Europe and from Africa to other parts, where people are being exploited. It's the work of the enemy. We see him as a liar. The Bible says in John 8, 44, that he's the father of lies. And we see him as a destroyer. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life in all of its fullness. But it follows on the first part of the verse the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the beautiful thing about Arena Church is that we have people in this congregation this morning that have been very conscious in their walk of life that sometimes the enemies literally come to seek to destroy them. And Jesus has come and given them life. The turnaround is amazing. If you're here this morning and feel some sense of destruction in your life, give it to God because he can begin to put it all back together. In his grace and in his power. <clears throat> so when authorities of darkness run rampant over a city, the consequences can be devastating. Let's just have the first picture, please, Chris. This is just to prove I was there. <sighs> so this is Wednesday morning. And they've kept a little bit of the Berlin Wall. And uh, just to my left, in front of all this, there's a whole uh, line of, of uh, comments that have been put in glass casing where you can trace the story of why that wall emerged. Many of you will know that that wall came, but there were many things that took place prior to that. I don't want to say anything inappropriately or triumphalistically this morning, but Hitler's emergence in the 30s, Berlin was the epicenter of the rule. And many Berliners, many Germans suffered under that authority. They didn't fit in. They weren't the right color. They weren't the right religion. 
Thousands of people with disabilities, friends, were marched off into oblivion for the pursuit of the Aryan race. And then the war, pain on both sides. And out of that came a, a battle for ideology between East and West. <clears throat> between what we would call a, a sense of, of uh, how, how do we do life? <clears throat> and uh, Berlin was right at the heart of that on, on August the 13th, 1961, 100,000 East German soldiers railed into town. They put a, a barbed wire fence up overnight, and then that emerged. For the next 28 years, some of you can remember the pictures in November 1989 of that guy with a little pickaxe on the top of the wall, and it all came down. I want to tell you, friends, it came down in response to prayer. It came down in response to people touching God, because it seemed immovable. John Partington was telling us that he had a friend's at Bible College many years ago at Kenley Bible College. His friend was from East Germany. And during that week, he went to see his grandparents in West Germany and got trapped. He didn't see his parents for years. He was on the wrong side, couldn't get back. People died trying to get over the wall. What am I saying? I'm saying, friends, that walls speak of division. Walls speak of separation. Walls speak of prejudice. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. He is our peace. Ephesians 2.14, and he has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. You see, in the city of God, there's no walls that says you're on this side and you're on that side. There's no walls with regard to race or color or creed. There's no walls with regard to affluence or otherwise. We're all one in him. That's what Jesus came to do. The city reflects not only serving one, but serving one from being one. It's why unity, friends, in the city of God is so crucial and will always be contested for. And it's why every one of us that are mature in the faith need to be on our guard to continually protect the unity of the city. The enemy, friends, loves to bring to cities division, fear, hopelessness, and deceit. And those of us that are citizens of the city of God understand the need to be aware of this and to don the spiritual armor. I don't have time to dwell there this morning, but I encourage you to read Ephesians 6 again and to put on the belt of truth. Not literally, but the belt of truth. And uh, in battle, the Roman soldier would wear a tunic loose, but went out of battle. But when he went to battle, he pulled the belt tight, he girded up the the, the tunic, and he went to, tr went to battle. The belt of truth that enables us to run unhindered. The breastplate of righteousness that guards our heart. Our feet carrying the gospel of peace. So much fear in the world. So much hatred. So much di division. But we carry the gospel of peace where we go. The shield of faith that pushes back on the fiery darts of the enemy. And as Nathan and Josh were leading us this morning, reminding us that sometimes that comes to us. And you may be in a season where you're particularly conscious that the enemy's pulling the darts back at you, the arrows back at you. And I encourage you to lift that shield this morning of faith, to let them bounce off, to continually confess what you are in the Lord and be triumphant in Him. The helmet of salvation that protects our minds and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in the context there, the sword of the Spirit is particularly talking about speaking the word. And the word there for word is not logos, the general word, but rhema. 
Now, I've heard a lot of teaching over the years about Logos and Raymond. I don't get any of it. I, I don't see this big division between the two. Simply to say that the Raymond friends is a specific word for a specific situation. Particularly sometimes when you feel under attack. Speaking out. What did Jesus do when he was tempted in the wilderness? It is written. Some people won't do anything unless they get in quotes a rhema. And they're completely disobedient to the logos. It's not going to happen. When you give yourself to the word of God. When you continually yield to what he's saying in your life. Then you can have an expectation that in specific context, he's going to give you a word. But don't live your life every day of the week on the basis of a word. Because he has given you the words. And occasionally he will give you a word. You'll drive yourself and everybody else crazy. If you live on the basis simply of a rhema. Live the logos. And then when that word comes, speak it out. A specific word that speaks out of your children and your grandchildren. A specific word that speaks out of your church. A specific word that speaks out of your life and your direction. God giving you something that you declare born of the Spirit. And then praying with all kinds of prayers. This is what a city in habitation in the Spirit is aware of. Because we're aware of authorities against. Now what about authorities for briefly? Well John 1 verse 12 says that those that believe he gives the right to become the children of God. Some translations say he gives the power, the right. But the word there literally means he gives the authority to become the children of God. And if you read the context of John 1, you'll find that he's talking about not being born naturally, but spiritually. Not of human descent. You can't be in the church today and be a real part of it just because your mom and dad are Christians or your grandparents. You've got to be born again. You've got to find your own faith. You've got to find your own direction. You've got to be born from above. And when you're born from above, he gives you the authority to become a son and daughter of God. And we begin to live out that authority in the blessing of sonship by the overcoming and empowering of faith. But listen, that authority of our lives works best when we understand the authority that sits over our lives. And let me give you four things briefly to allow to sit over you in submission and honor. Number one, the, the Lord. 1 Samuel 2.30 says that those that honor me, I will honor. <clears throat> How submitted are we to the Lord? One of my colleagues said recently in a conference that most Christians camp at the first revelation of salvation. And I'll say respectfully this morning, Arena Church, if we're to be a great city on a hill, we've got to go deeper than that. It's got to be more than just your ticket to heaven if something happens bad to you. You've got to go deep in God. And you go deep in God by coming under his authority. It was Hudson Taylor, the great founder of the China Inland Mission, who was born in Sharon's hometown of Barnsley. See, God takes all the people sometimes. He wasn't born in a metropolis. He didn't come from London or one of the great cities. Just a Yorkshire town. And God took hold of him 
Thousands of people converted that sets up the great move of God in the 20th and 21st century in China. And it was Hudson Taylor that first coined the phrase, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. In other words, friends, you can't say he's Lord and then say, well, actually, it's 30% of my life's mine. Lordship means he's the master, he's the owner, he's the boss. If I can use graffiti terms, Jesus rules, okay? <laughs> and we submit to his authority. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me for a minute. I find some Christians wrestling with, wrestling with things that are dealt with in a moment when you say, Jesus, your Lord, your Lord. It's a problem because you're not submitted. It's an issue because you're not under authority. Your Lord. It's all sorted. I want to tell you, friends, that when I'm tempted to move outside the lordship of Jesus, he just won't let me. In fact, he gives me such a hard time, it's breathtaking. Because he knows that I've committed to his lordship. I've committed to it again and again. And every time I'm tempted to swerve away from submitting to his lordship, he's on my case in the power of his spirit. And then we submit to civic authorities. Don't have time to read it this morning. But Romans 13, 1 to 6 says they've been put in place by God. So pay your taxes and be honoring of those that have been put in place. Of course, if they asked us to do something that was inappropriate or not complicit with the word, we'd have every right to make our stand. But I'm talking about what makes life work. Christian believers shouldn't be the most lawless people in the borough. We should make it work. Because we're part of the city on the hill. And then submission to the word of God, James 1.22. Which talks about the word of God being planted in us. Us to humbly receive it. And then it simply says these words. Do what it says. Do what it says. Please don't te- you know, treat the Bible like the chocolate box. I've just finished off those Thornton's chocolates that somebody bought me for my birthday by the way. They were gorgeous. And thorns are so nice, there's no dilemma. But with some chocolate boxes, you know, you get to that, I don't like coconut. You know, I don't like several. So the temptation is to leave those for somebody else. Because you just go for the ones that you like. It's like it with a bite. Oh, I love the Psalms. Oh, I want to suggest if you really read the Psalms, if you really read the Psalms, then they'll really dig deep in our lives. But we jump to the verses that we like. But we take the word of God. We take it all. We allow it to wash over us. We do what it says. And fourthly, we submit to the authority of the leaders of the church. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Have confidence in leaders. Listen. And submit to their authority. What's all that about? Well, what it's all about is that to make the city on the hill work, God has delegated authority into leadership in the churches. And I've spent a lot of time, friends, with lots of churches because I've got 134 to worry about, never mind about Arena Church. It's called the central area. And the issue that crops up almost without exception is the issue of leadership. Who's leading the church? Who's operating in delegated authority in the church? And some churches want to be a city on a hill and there's no authority in the church. It's lawless. It's doing its own thing whenever it says. It speaks to people however it wants. 
It takes hits out of people and then they think they can turn up on Sunday and everything's going to be great. It's not. There's other people trying to lead that aren't leaders. You see, cities on a hill aren't led by good people. They're led by gift people that make breakthrough, that understand the authorities that are against us and prevail. Some churches, friends, are operating with no authority, then turn up on a Friday night for a prayer meeting and want to exercise authority. It's not going to happen. The enemy's laughing. He's batting it away with contempt. But when a city understands what it is, to see that in the privilege of the authority to be a child of God, we come under the Lord. We come under the authorities He's put in place. We come under His Word. And we recognize as an authority that sits in the church. Boy, those cities shine out and start to make progress for the kingdom of light. There's no, don't worry friends, there's no heavy shepherding in this church. There's no heavy authority. Andy's not going to come and tell you what colour carpets to have. (laughs) And all the extreme stories we've had in times past. But you remember we had the six elders up a few weeks ago. And there's a delegated authority invested into the eldership of this church. That they take, along with me, very, very seriously to guard the flock of God. To cause us to come to maturity. To keep at the door what needs to be kept to the door. And to see the city increasingly be all that it's called to be. It's no more complicated than that. You see, under a, living under authority is not binding or, limit, or, or limiting. But it's the most liberating place to live in the purposes of God. If you're forever railing over authority that sits over your life, be it the word of God, be it the Lord, ever, ever in battle, ever in conflict, everything's an issue. You're never going to make progress. But when you come to a place of yielding, submitting, giving your life to God, wow, that sets you up for destiny in his plans. And he can take all of you and use you in a most amazing way, far beyond what you could ever ask or think. But God works in principles, not outside of them. And he's not going to bend them even for you or for me. So we come to a close with the second picture, Chris. Thank you. And there's a cross. So we've had a wall. But the answer to every wall, friends, is a cross. See, God's given us what is a ridiculous message. It's the message of a cross. Some count it foolishness. Some deny its power. But to those that believe it's the power of God. And this church, Arena Church, is rooted in the foundation of a message of the cross. What, in the 21st century? You better believe it. And we are not moving, friends, from the message of the cross. Everything that we do in this church, every person that we seek to reach, every minister that's going to be expressed next week is rooted in the power of the cross. So let me take you to Thursday morning. And the Kaiser of Wilhelm Memorial Church, now a shell of its former glory because it never actually recovered from the bombings it received. But every Friday at one o'clock, there's a prayer prayed. It's called a prayer of reconciliation. And the reason that the cross sits in the Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church, just a part of it now, is that many, many years ago from Coventry Cathedral, just down the road from us, about 60 miles, the cathedral in Coventry during the Second World War 
along with much of the city, was bombed to the ground. And a beautiful new cathedral emerged. But not only that, a great ministry of reconciliation emerged. And that cross represents what is known as the Coventry Cross of Nails. It started in Coventry Cathedral, but now around Europe and beyond, there are many, many centers where there's a prayer of reconciliation prayed every Friday. And here's the words. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class, Father, forgive. The covetous desire of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless and the refugee. Father, forgive. The loss which dishonors the bodies of men, women and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. You see, a city on a hill is not about walls. It's about coming together and being reconciled. Of barriers breaking down. Of that happening in the church and then from the church. Where people say, whoa, the church. But then they get washed over by the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. And somehow, although they can't describe it, it makes all the difference. And even though they've not stepped into faith yet, they know they've been changed forever. The heart of God, friends, is no less so. It's not to have cities at odds with themselves. As we see often naturally with fights and conflicts and divisions and separations. No, the city on the hill understands that authorities come against them and they repel it in the name of Jesus and through the spiritual armory that he's given us. But they also understand that authority sits over us and we bring our faith, our lives and our hearts to submit to what sits over us to release us to what God has called us to be. If God can find communities like that, that truly understand the authority of the city on a hill, they will be in the earth forces to contend with. Let's pray.